This message is brought to you from Calon Church. We pray that it encourages and inspires you. Good morning. How are we? Good. Do you know what? It's one of those mornings this morning where I didn't want to stop worshipping. I don't know about you, but I was ready for like track five, track six, track seven. Like I was ready to go. Like I'm so excited to be in church this morning. Like I really feel the, the word that is just on my heart is just, you know, when it's so just on your heart. And, you know, if you weren't here on Thursday night, you really missed an absolutely incredible evening with Pastor David Waters, who kind of almost kind of took what it was that I wanted to speak. But we're going to probably put that out maybe um, on podcast in later weeks. But please listen to it, because what an encouragement it was. And what an encouragement it was just to be with people, um, to be with each other and pray with each other, worship with each other. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was stunning. I really loved it. But what he talked about a little bit was kind of finishing well. He talked about the concept of how you start doesn't always dictate how you end. That you can have a rough start, you can have a great start, but you can actually end up with a rubbish end or a great end. But it doesn't necessarily mean that how you start is how you'll finish. And what he talked about or talked about was living a life that was just so like full of blessing each other and encouraging one another and building one another up in God. And what a beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture he shared with us, um, which talked about, and I'll quote it later on in Timothy, of fighting a good fight and finishing the race. And what I want to talk to you this morning about is kind of that concept of finishing the race. But in order to finish a race, despite how you start or despite how you intend on finishing, what's super important to get you to the end of that race is your vision. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about a subject called, it's not what it looks like. And how many of you have heard that saying? Like, it's not what it looks like. When the guy's in the bed with the wrong girl, it's not what it looks like. (laughs) When a mommy is there with a child and she's doing Weight Watchers, and she's got ice cream in her hand, and her kid's got ice cream in her hand, and they're walking down the street, and they run into their Weight Watchers coach. It's not what it looks like. I've got another kid. <laughs> but you get me? Like, it's not what it looks like. It's such a phrase that is used in such a defensive way sometimes. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is probably one of my, my favourite, favourite people in the Bible called Paul. Because his life was never really what it looked like. So if you'll jump with me now quickly to Acts um, chapter 9, where we're going to talk about what happens when Saul has this divine revelation with Jesus. And it goes like this. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Yes, Lord. Um, 
yeah, analyze, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered, and the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. When I and Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Mad. Pray with me quickly before we jump in. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you use ordinary people to do just extraordinary, incredible things. God, I ask this morning that you would open our hearts, open our minds, God, to receive what it is you want want us to receive this morning, God. Lord, we pray blessing over your word. We thank you for your word, God. May it never return void, Jesus. In your name, God, we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so I'm just going to jump straight into this. And talk about the fact that Saul did not start well. Can we just agree on that at the moment? So a bit of context for you if you don't know who Saul was. Saul was a man who literally persecuted every single Christian in sight. Took them, he killed them, he put them in prison, he did all sorts. He he literally was a living train wreck for, for Christians. He was the man that people would fear. Because if you ever came in contact with him and he found out that you knew Jesus, that was it for you. So Saul did not have a very good start until this very moment. And I want to spend some time talking this morning about the concept of going blind before you can see. Because I think sometimes we have to be blinded in order to gain sight. Does that make sense? Metaphorically speaking, not physically speaking, because that can't happen. But what I'm saying is, if our vision isn't right then it can sometimes change the course of where we go. So back to if you're going to finish strong, you have to have your eyes fixed on something. When Usain Bolt is running his race, he has his eyes fixed on the finish line. He's not just running wherever he wants to run, hoping that he'll end up in the right direction. And the problem is, is sometimes when our vision isn't actually on the target and isn't in what's right, we can end up running in all different directions. Let's talk about our past. Now, sometimes God has to blind us so that he can show us and give us a future. Because sometimes when we look through the eyes of our past, we see all the stuff that we've done wrong, all the reasons why we're unqualified, all the reasons why God can't do a good work through us. And when we see through the eyes of our past, sometimes we can't see the fullness of God. So sometimes God's got to take us out of those circumstances. He's got to blind our vision of what we see, of what we've done and what we've experienced so that he can show us something new, so that he can speak words like Jeremiah 29, 11 over our lives that actually I want to prosper you. Actually, I don't want to harm you. I want to give you hope. I want to give you a future. But when we're looking at reasons why we can't receive that promise, it makes it 10 times harder for God to make that happen in our life. 
And so sometimes God does things and he creates circumstances that make us understand actually what it is he wants to do through us. Because we can't believe the truth when we're looking through the eyes of our past sometimes. Because how can we see prosperity? How can we see fulfillment if all we're seeing is failure from where we've come from? How can we trust God with our plans and our future if we can see all the reasons why we don't deserve it? We don't qualify. We're not good enough. And if he wasn't there before, why would he be there now? Like so many different things that we speak over ourselves because all we're looking through is the eyes of where we've come from rather than the eyes of where we want to be. It stops us going for that job because I didn't get it last time. It stops us maybe going for a marriage because it didn't work out last time. So why am I going to put myself on the line this time? Why would God bless me with another woman if the last one I had didn't work out very well? And we see ourselves through these different eyes sometimes and we see our past and that's all we can see is reasons why God can't give us a future. And he can't do a new thing with us if our vision is still seeing the old. For example, it's like jumping in a car, pressing accelerate, thinking, why am I going nowhere, smashing into a wall, because all you're looking at is the rear view mirror. Do you get what I mean? Like, and you're like, I want to go, I want to do this thing, but there's just something blocking me, because all I can see is all the stuff that's going on behind me, rather than the stuff that's ahead of me. Our past. The Bible says, cast your eyes on the things above. But if we let our past define us, it's a little bit hard to do that. How can you cast your eyes on the things above when you're casting your eyes on the things behind? Because when we let our past define who we are, we're restricting who we can become in Jesus. Let's talk about pride. Oof, pride. Sometimes God's got to blind us so that he can humble us. Paul the Apostle, perfect example, we just read. He was so prideful. You ain't believing in Jesus come on, prison. Like, do you get me? Like, who the heck thinks that they're so good that they get to do that to people? Like, you have to be super prideful to be able to think that you have the authority to throw people into prison because of what they believe. He had to see the glory of God before any change could happen in his life. David, he was anointed 17 years before he was actually appointed. Why? Because I sometimes believe that, you know, if you think of yourself as this thing, like a bit, a bit like Joseph, like Joseph, God gave him a vision. He started telling everybody. He started thinking, oh, God's going to use me. And sometimes we can get to that place where we're a little bit prideful. And so I think that's why God waited 17 years. It's because David needed to learn how to be a shepherd before he could learn how to be a king. And sometimes our pride can mask the way that we feel sometimes because we think that because who we are or what we've achieved in life, we don't need God's goodness. We don't need God's power because we did it all ourselves. And sometimes what can happen is we can get so prideful over who we've become that we fail to see a future that God has planned for us because we're too busy planning it ourselves. And then we wonder why it ends up in destruction and it ends up in a sham. It's because we're not actually letting God lead us because we're letting materialistic things lead us. So we're letting status lead us. So we're letting different things actually take control and own the vision for our life. Who we are and what we are sometimes makes us think that we don't need God's vision because we're fine on our own. But like I said, it leads you to destruction. Look at the rich young ruler in the Bible. 
when he comes, he's like, skips over Jesus. What do we have to do to get eternity? And he's like, well, you've got to love me, but you've also got to lay down some of your crowns. And he's like, oh, well, see, I've got lots of land. I'm a rich guy. I've got a lot going for me. Not really something I want to do. Who knows if we'll see him in heaven? Because he wasn't prepared to lay it all down before God because he was prideful of what he'd achieved. But what we've got to understand is everything that we have was always his and always will be his. It was his to begin with and it'll be his till the end. But we can sometimes get prideful and it blocks our vision of seeing the fullness of what God's got for us. There's a reason that pride can't be our vision. Let's talk about labels. Sometimes God blinds us so that he can rename us. And I'll tell you why this is. It's because when we look through our eyes, sometimes all we see is depression. Sometimes all we see is anxiety. Sometimes all we see is cheat. Sometimes all we see is single mother. Sometimes all we see is person who can't get a job. Sometimes all we see is, you know, single father or the man that left his wife. And sometimes all we can see is the labels that either others have put on us or we've put on us ourselves. And the problem is, is when you look through the eyes of who you think you are or who you've named yourself as, it makes it 10 times harder again then for God to restore our vision of who we actually are in him because we're so fixed on who we think we are. Because God actually says that you're loved. God actually says that you're chosen. God actually says that you are perfect with Everything that you've got, if you suffer with depression, anxiety, there is freedom for that. There is healing for that. God doesn't want you to live like that. But sometimes when that becomes our identity and that becomes who we are, it's not necessarily something we want to let go. Because we don't know another way. Because when we allow that to become our identity and we become our vision for our future, we can't imagine a life with freedom. But what would that look like? What would that look like without my antidepressants? I'm not saying don't take your antidepressants if you prescribe them, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, what will my life look like? And what I'm saying is sometimes God's got to blind us from those thoughts and he's got to take away those things so that he can restore and rename us. Paul, Paul was Paul because he was renamed. He was Saul. Abraham, he was renamed. And I believe that sometimes God's got to rename us, not physically as in, you know, I'm going to go from Caris to Catherine. But my point is, is that sometimes when you get saved, God wants to renew you. He wants to restore you. He wants to put a new identity in you. But if we're too busy looking at who we used to be, then God can't do that in the fullness of what he wants to do that with. If you're too busy looking at your life like, oh, I'm a single mom. Oh my kid, I get it hard. I, well, I don't get it hard. I haven't got a child. I'm not a single mother. But I can understand that it's hard. I can understand that you have struggles that no other person maybe would face. I can understand if you live with depression and you wake up in the morning and you just feel like you just want to stay in bed all day. You don't know what to do. But the thing is with Jesus is what he wants to do is he wants to give you a new freedom. He wants to give you a new spring in your step. But if you aren't willing to receive it, how is he going to outwork it? And so what he's got to do sometimes is he's got to blind us and so, that, so that we don't see that anymore and that all we can see is the glory of God and what he wants to do in and through us. Yeah. Change our vision, change our goal, change our future so that we can live in the fullness of who he's called us to be. Because what we speak over ourselves and what others speak over us is so, so powerful. 
We're forced to live with these things when we look through labelled eyes, but when we look through the eyes that God decides to give us, it all changes. Because when we speak labels, we ignore God's truth. He wants to make us new. So Ananias, he comes and he removes these scales, or what are like scales, the Bible says, from our eyes. And when we experience the blindness... He then had his scales removed. We experience blindness. We then get our scales removed. God doesn't want us to live in darkness and confusion and what is my future? Where am I going? What's going on? He doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to live in the place of plans, prosperity, future, hope. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. I'm going to finish my race strong. I don't care how I started. I don't care what mountain I had to face in the middle, but I'm going to finish strong. That is what he wants for our life. And that's what he wanted for Saul slash Paul's life. So he sends Ananias and he says, right, okay, he's had enough time now. He's prayed enough. He's not eaten. He hasn't drunk. Go, because I've got a plan for Paul's life. And so Ananias goes and he, and he removes these scales. He prays over him and he says, no, this is what Jesus says. You've seen him. You've seen who he is. You've seen his glory. This is what he wants you to do. And when God takes away the scales from your eyes, you receive his sight. When, God remo- when you ask God and you allow God to remove what it is that is blocking your vision, you get to see things not just from an earthly perspective, but from a heavenly perspective. You get to see your children through the eyes of God. You get to see your families through the eyes of God, your circumstances through the eyes of God. You get to see your future through the eyes of God. So you don't look at your future and your job and say, oh, I can't go for it. You say, no, God wants me to go for this because he's told me that I'm strong, that I am confident, that I can lack nothing in him. And he restores everything that it is that we have lost in able to give us that get up and go. That's why I love Jesus. (laughs) There is no other person I know that wants to take all of that sin and all of that thought and everything that it is that I hold in my earthly sense and go, right, I'm going to take that burden. I want you to go and live this life. Tell me who else does that. (laughs) It's the story of Jesus. Just like Paul, in blindness, scales removed from his eyes, goes and lives in freedom, goes and preaches the gospel, goes and writes 13 letters that we read today. It's the story of Jesus. We're in blindness. Get the scales removed from our lives. We get to go and live in freedom. We get to go and preach the gospel. We get to go and do all these incredible things that Paul got to do. But it happens in that moment where those scales get removed from our eyes. It happens in that moment where we decide to see in a new way. It happens in that moment where the the scales come off and we begin to see with a heavenly perspective. It can never happen when we look with earthly eyes. It can never happen when we look through the eyes of our past. It can never happen when we look through the eyes of what we say over ourselves it can never happen when we look through the eyes of pride it can only happen when we see what God sees you know there's that song and there's and and Paul quotes it he talks about opening the eyes of our heart I want to see you oh my gosh beautiful to see you high and lifted up shine like oh my gosh to see the whole of Armonford singing those songs to see the whole nation with the eyes of their heart open to the glory of God that can only happen when our vision is right 
Our friends, our kids, our families, our city, our town can only see the glory of God when we're shining the glory of God. But to shine the glory of God, you've got to see the way God sees. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. You've got to see others the way God sees them to walk in that vision and to walk in that life. But it starts with allowing God to take away some of the thoughts, take away some of the visions that we've already embedded in ourselves. You know, we went to the 2012 Paralympics. Let me tell you, what an experience. It was awesome. Like, it was so cool. I remember watching, like, I don't even know what it's called. I don't really do track, clearly. Um, I don't really do track at all. Never really been interested in it. So I don't know what it is. I think it's long jump where you jump in the sand. Yeah? Incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. Like, these people, like, they're blind, right? You won't catch me jumping in no sand when I'm blind, right? But they don't, they got no fear, and they're running, they're jumping, boom. Some of them hit the sand, some of them didn't, but that's fine, because they still jumped. But my point is, we had these runners, and they were blind too, and I'm thinking, right, I don't know how they're going to make their way around this track, because they can't see, right? They're flat out blind, right? So I'm thinking, okay, great, and you're watching them, and they had someone in front of them, right? I'm thinking, okay. This is interesting. And so as the blind person's running, the person in front is like clapping. So they're like running around the track like this. I was like flipping like how they don't fall, I don't know. So the clapper is like running like this. The blind person is running like after following the sound. And they ran around the whole track. And then someone like won. And it was like, what? Like, this is insane. Like, because these clappers are going and these people are running and thinking, how do you not like lose, like, not even lose sight, because they're blind, but how do you not, like, go off track? Do you understand what I mean? Like, I was thinking, this is mad, because they're just running and running and running and running, and they completed the race. Why? Because they had someone clapping. And this is the thing, that even when Paul was blind, or Saul was blind, even when we're in blindness, we've still got God who's, like, clapping his way, saying, come on, keep coming. When Saul was blind, God was still there, speaking words over him. God was still there, talking to Ananias, saying, hey, this is the plan. This is what he's going to do. It was all for a divine purpose so that God might be glorified. In all our life, in all our circumstances, every single thing that God does in our life is so that he would be glorified. It's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with us. It's all that God would be glorified and that we can live the fullness of our life in his glory. That we can finish our races strong. That it doesn't matter how we start. It doesn't matter whether you persecuted every man and whatever like Saul. It doesn't matter what your past looked like or who you think you are. It's all about how you decide to finish it. And that's that's the essence of this whole message this morning. Is like your vision. What are you choosing to see? Because you have that choice. You have that choice whether you want to see in the place of your blindness, uh, your past in the place of your labels, if you want to see what you want to see. But God's like, no, I want to give you a new vision, just like he did to Paul. And he wants to give us new sight. But the problem is, is we've got to be open to receive it. Because if there's one thing that Saul had to do in order to receive all of what he received, was he had to choose to surrender. And I think sometimes that's the hardest bit. Because in that moment where, you know, God's, well, Jesus shines his light because that's how it describes it, of this bright light that came. 
and he hears Jesus' voice and they fall to the ground. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. When you understand the glory of God and you have to surrender because of who he is. We've sung it today. Like I was thinking in worship, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know, I don't know what it is about the word holy, but it always moves me to tears. And then I started thinking, actually, I think the reason why the word holy brings me to tears is because you can only ever use the word holy to describe God. Powerful, President of the United States, powerful. Mighty, great warrior, army man, like super mighty. But holy? can only use that word to describe God. And I think that's why it plucks at my heart so much because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the only word that's even close to who you are. 